few weeks to live. I was, and am thus, all the more grateful to Jenny and the boys for sharing Tony with me during such a time. But the conversation was also a great source of intellectual sustenance, bringing the pleasure of concentration, the harmony of communication, and the gratification of good work achieved. Attending to the subject at hand, and keeping pace with Tony's mind, was an absorbing labour and also a happy one. I am a historian of Eastern Europe, where the spoken book enjoys a proud tradition. The most famous example of the genre is the Czech writer Karol Čapek's series of interviews with Tomáš Mazarik, the philosopher-president of interwar Czechoslovakia. This happens to be the first book that Tony read in Czech, from cover to cover. Perhaps the best spoken book is My Century, the magnificent autobiography of the Polish-Jewish poet Alexander Watt as extracted from him over tape recorders by Czesław Miłosz in California. This I read for the first time on a train from Warsaw to Prague, just as I was beginning doctoral studies in history. I wasn't thinking of these examples as such when I proposed a spoken book to Tony, nor do I regard myself as a Czapek or a Miłosz. As an East Europeanist who has read many such books, I just took for granted that something enduring could arise from conversation. My questions to Tony arose from three sources. My original and rather general plan was to talk through Tony's books from beginning to end, from his histories of the French left through post-war, seeking general arguments about the role of political intellectuals and the craft of historians. I was interested in themes that are indeed prominent in this book, such as the elusiveness of the Jewish question in Tony's work, the universal character of French history, and the power and limits of Marxism. I had the intuition that Eastern Europe had broadened Tony's ethical and intellectual outlook, but had no idea just how profoundly true this was. I learned about Tony's East European connections, and much else, because Timothy Garton Ash and Marcy Shaw suggested, and Tony agreed, that we devote some of our sessions to Tony's life, rather than to his work. Finally, Tony revealed that he had been planning to write a history of intellectual life in the twentieth century. I used his chapter outline as the basis for a third round of questions. This book's conversational character required that its authors be familiar with thousands of other books. Because Tony and I were speaking to each other in person, there was no time to check references. Tony did not know in advance what I would ask, and I did not know in advance what he would answer. What appears in print here reflects the spontaneity, unpredictability, and sometimes playfulness of two minds purposefully engaged through speech. But everywhere, and especially in its historical sections, it depends upon our mental libraries, and in particular upon Tony's improbably capacious and well-catalogued one. This book makes a case for conversation, but perhaps an even stronger case for reading. I never studied with Tony— but the card catalogue of his mental library overlapped considerably with my own. Our previous reading created a common space within which Tony and I could venture together, noting landmarks and vistas, at a moment when other kinds of movement were impossible. Still, to speak is one thing, and to publish is another. How exactly did that conversation become this book? Each session was recorded, then saved as a digital file. The young historian, Yedida Kanfer, then undertook the transcription. 
This was itself a demanding intellectual task, since to puzzle out what we were saying from imperfect recordings, Yedida had to know what we were talking about. Without her dedication and her knowledge, this book would have been far harder to achieve. From summer 2009 through spring 2010, I edited the transcripts into nine chapters, according to a plan approved by Tony. In October and December 2009, I flew to New York from Vienna, where I was spending the 2009-2010 academic year, so that we could discuss progress. From Vienna, I sent Tony draft chapters by email, which he then revised and returned. Each of the chapters has a biographical and a historical component. Thus the book moves through Tony's life and across some of the most important loci of twentieth-century political thought. The Holocaust as a Jewish and a German question, Zionism and its European origins, English exceptionalism and French universalism, Marxism and its temptations.